Welcome to The Company We Keep, a show that highlights how women are taking unexpected paths, overcoming obstacles, and constantly curating the people, places, jobs, and things in their lives in order to design a life they love. I'm your host, Allie Bowes, and today I'll be talking with my friend Maria Requena. She wrote, sang, and produced the song that you're hearing right now for this podcast. The song was specifically written for me as part of the Anthem Project. While you're hearing the instrumental version right now, the full lyrical version is called Play and can be found on all streaming platforms under the name The Anthem Project Songwriters. In this conversation, Maria shares her story of overcoming obstacles and taking a giant leap by quitting her job during the pandemic in order to pursue singing, songwriting, and producing full-time for the Anthem Project and Sunflower Summit. So let's get started. Maria, I'm so excited to have you here today. It's always so great catching up with you. Welcome. Thank you. Likewise, I love our chats. I love catching up with you and I'm so excited for this. It's going to be great. So to give everyone a quick background here, we met a little while back towards the beginning of the pandemic and we got to know each other through the Anthem Project, which we'll get into a little bit later but Maria is a singer, songwriter, entrepreneur. She's an expert at making people feel seen. And I'm so excited you're here and to be able to shine a light on you and your story is going to be so fun because I think you're such an incredible human and you're just so inspiring. Oh my gosh, you're the sweetest. You talk me up too much. Well, this year has been such an incredible year for you. You've grown and achieved so much. And while it's been a year full of restrictions, you've really found ways to move forward and pursue what you're passionate about. But before we get into what you've been up to this year, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your background and the experiences that shaped you growing up, just to set the scene for us. So I grew up in Northern Illinois. I moved around a lot when I was really young. I went to eight different schools by the time I was in eighth grade, just to give you an idea. And some of those schools were in Mexico. So very all over the place. And it wasn't until I think fourth grade that we settled on like one town, but like still different schools within that same town. Being shifted around from place to place kind of like screwed up how I perceived friendships because I just kind of saw people as temporary like oh this is going to go away soon so it wasn't until I got involved in the arts in middle school and in high school that I was like oh wow people are really cool and um, started to fall in love with like making friendships and like keeping those connections alive and seeking joy in company with other people so I've grown really fond of building and fostering connections with other people that way through music through theater I went to college in Naperville, Illinois, to North Central, and I was initially a music ed major. I thought that I was going to be a choral director and that I was going to live and breathe choral music because that's one of the biggest things that I loved. I loved being in choirs, being surrounded by people and singing together and making beautiful music. But then I realized that education really wasn't what I wanted. I kept going home from class in tears and not being able to sleep because I was so anxious and constantly having panic attacks and crying in front of my teachers. It just wasn't good. And so uh, somewhere in sophomore year, I was like, I I can't keep up the music ed major. 
and I decided to change. At that time, I was offered a leadership scholarship and I took it. And in order to take the leadership scholarship, I had to declare a minor. So I declared a leadership minor and that introduced me to a myriad of other things outside of music, outside of the arts, like psychology, humanities, anthropology, entrepreneurship. And so I was like, oh, I don't just have to, like I can be more than just a music major. I can learn these other cool things too. And so I wound up graduating with an entrepreneurship major with minors in music and leadership. And that was probably the weirdest but best combination that I could have had because it really taught me to think in a lot of different ways. Music taught me how to be human, how to make connections with people, how to express myself in a very natural, organic way, and how to practice, how to stay committed to something and how to see something through. Because music is not something that you just wake up and are good at. You have to cultivate that and practice every single day. Leadership gave me the skills of organization in personal life and in team settings. And entrepreneurship gave me a rubber bouncy ball kind of shield in the sense that you're going to be knocked down a million times, but you have to keep getting back up and you have to keep pivoting and trying new things and rolling out new ideas because you don't know what's going to work until you actually do it. So I really feel like even though it was a weird combination of majors and minors, it was the right one for me. After I left college, I felt kind of in a slump though. My senior year, I had won a pitch competition at the Self-Employment in the Arts Conference where I was awarded $1,000 to start my own business in the arts. And through that, I got a mentorship where I was communicating with someone who was very experienced in business and teaching me everything that he knew. I was making connections with people in Naperville and starting to establish myself as a business leader in Naperville. And then nothing. I didn't actually wind up launching. And there was just something in me that wasn't ready to have a business of my own. And I couldn't quite identify what. So instead of like graduating and walking into a job, I graduated and walked into my parents' couch. (laughs) And it wasn't really fun because I hadn't lived with my parents since I left for college. And so I felt kind of like a step back. The only times that I felt like relieved was when I took a short trip to Peru to do like a service trip with some friends. And when I was actually working back at my college campus with the English Language Institute, and I got to interact with students again. So that inspired me to look for a job where I got to work with students which led me to working with a nonprofit in Chicago called Saga Education. And that is all about developing, mentoring students at a high school age with math. Around the same time, I also accepted an invitation to be a volunteer with the Peace Corps. So I was like, this is like such a cool timing because I'm going to be teaching English with the Peace Corps. And the job that I just accepted is going to give me the tools to be a a great educator because I'll be able to practice interacting with students and teaching them planned lessons and all that jazz. Fast forward to March of 2019, I guess, 2019. And I was told that I actually wasn't going to be able to depart, that I wasn't going to be able to leave with the Peace Corps that year because something was aloof 
with my medical records and they didn't think that I was healthy enough. Like they thought that I wouldn't survive in like the new country. And so I was really angry and <laughs> appealed that and tried my best to get my place back with the Peace Corps, but that didn't happen. And I spiraled because I was like, well, what's the point of anything? I wasn't doing music. I wasn't doing any form of arts at this time. I was just preparing to be a volunteer with the Peace Corps. I was just working with students, working in education. I felt very distanced. And then I started to like think, okay, I guess this is the universe giving me like the biggest slap in the face. This isn't supposed to be your path. So I decided to pick up my guitar again and I started writing some songs and I started going to some open mics and then I got my first gig in Chicago on April 26th. I will never forget that date, April 26th, 2019. I got a gig at Uncommon Ground. And even though it wasn't like a super big show or anything, it felt big to me because that was the first time that I was getting paid to perform music that I wrote ever. And <laughs> it just felt like a huge step. And that motivated me to start working on an album. At this time, I really didn't know anything about putting an album together. So I started asking other musicians that I knew that had albums out. And I was like, hey, can I pick your brain? Like, what is it? What do you do? What's it like? Do you do a home recording? Did you go to a studio? What's the difference? I wound up going to a studio, but I didn't do really any production. Like I let the um, studio engineer do the mixing and the mastering. Not entirely sure what mixing or mastering was. <laughs> And I just, I, I released it in December of 2019. And it was just so crazy. And I did so much for that album. I did a Kickstarter. I did like a couch tour <laughs> where I just played in people's homes for over the summer to promote the album and to keep writing it. And it was really fun. And I never felt more alive than when I was working on that album. And then the school year started again. I didn't have a job. So I was like, I guess I'm a math tutor again. Hi. <laughs> and so I did it another year. I learned this last year that I was working with them that the difference between working at, with something that you're truly passionate about and working with something that you love. Like, I feel like those are two different things. I loved working with students. I loved having structure and routine and being able to see how students grow and see that my presence made a difference in these students' lives. But I wasn't passionate about it versus working on music during the album was like fireworks. So I decided to start to try to do more with the music industry and then the pandemic hit. And I truly learned during the pandemic that life is too short. Life is too short. Why am I spinning circles and trying to find excuses for what I want to do? Why not just do it? So I finished the school year with them and then didn't sign up for a third year. And I haven't had a regular nine to five since. <laughs> it's been so crazy. I've been just doing music. I took a mentorship where I learned a lot about the music industry, a lot about sync, about getting music into film and TV. I learned what production was. I learned what mixing and mastering was and started to teach myself production. And somewhere along that, I found a new purpose for my songwriting, which is the Anthem Project. 
I was reading Sarah Bellis's book, Sounds Like Me, and there's a chapter in there called Beautiful Girl that completely destroyed me. I felt so alive. I felt so seen through her words, through her singing. And then I wrote my own version of that. I wrote a song called Beautiful. And then after I wrote it, I, it just felt so peaceful. I was like, it, it felt cathartic. Like uh, everything that I needed to hear was wrapped up in that one song. And I can keep going back to that song when I need it. And it, I still do. That song does still get stuck in my own head. And I thought, what if I could do that for somebody else? What if I could write that one song that soothes the soul of someone who needs it or that just amps them up and makes them feel good? So I did a little test run <laughs> and Allie was part of that test run and getting to know her was so special, so much fun. We connected on a lot of different things and she challenged me to write a really good song in the best way. She challenged me to expand my knowledge in production and I'm just really proud of myself for having been able to make a song like that within just a few months of learning what production was and <laughs> figuring out like I think at that time I had only had a Mac for like two months <laughs> like I wasn't even a Mac user and I've definitely continued to grow since and it's just been really crazy I feel like a very different person than when I first started out in music in like the best way and I'm excited to continue to grow and to continue to get to meet people to continue to write for them writing anthems for people it has truly been so special to me because I just feel really lucky to be in somebody else's space to get to see them and hear them and reflect them back in song it's so much fun for me and I feel a little spoiled like I get to just do this <laughs> And with that, I also have the podcast. So you can definitely listen to the podcast and listen to the interviews that I've had with these wonderful people, listen to the songs that I've made. Yeah, so that's that's where I'm at doing music full time. And it's just been a crazy ride. Yeah, I mean, with the Anthem Project, me having gone through it with you, I mean, it's just even when we had our first meeting of when you're like, okay, tell me all about you so that I can write you this song. It was just so incredible how the types of questions you asked were so, they were exactly the right ones to reveal everything about me. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so obvious that this is such a gift that you have of being able to step into this space with people and have them pour their heart out to you and then have you turn it into a song. I just think it's so cool. So going back, I mean, your journey is so amazing. I think it's really cool that the universe has just kind of come along and redirected you this whole time. You know, like everything is like you're finding your way by doing certain things and then doing other things. <laughs> it's like that flow, yeah. which I think is really cool. Like, what do you think have been your biggest lessons that you've had throughout either when you were in school, trying to figure out what you wanted to major in, or, you know, as you were tutoring kids and realizing that, hey, this, this isn't my passion. Like, what were your biggest lessons? I think that the biggest one that's pretty consistent in any scenario, for me at least, is to trust yourself. Trust yourself, trust yourself, trust yourself. And that's layered, of course. Trust your past self, trust your present self, trust your future self. 
I break them up because I think it's important to break them up. When you look at a person's timeline, while you're living it, it doesn't make sense. But when you look at it in hindsight, then it makes sense. And when you look in the future, you're like, I don't know what it, what's going to happen. But if you have a pretty good track record, then the future is also going to be pretty good, right? And when I say trust yourself, there's like confidence to that. You need to be confident enough to trust yourself that you're going to make the right decision, that you're going to make the right choice, that you're going to present yourself in the right way, that you're going to do everything that you need to do at that time and be forgiving of your own mistakes because it's all a learning experience. And I see that in my crazy changing of majors, however many times I changed my major in college until I settled. I trusted myself to explore, but to settle on something and to pursue it. I see it again when I was working as a math teacher and trying to teach these students to trust themselves, right? Like something that is very common when you're getting, when you're like a high schooler getting tutored is you look to your tutor to give you the answers and to give you the stops, but that's not my job. I wouldn't be doing my job if I did the work for you. So I saw my job more as like, but more cheeky, like I'm gonna let you struggle because you need to learn that you got this, that if you give yourself the grace to make mistakes and to learn from those mistakes and to get yourself back in order, then that's a muscle that you can keep exercising the rest of your life and can apply to literally anything. I'm practicing that again as I quit my job and was like, okay, now I really need to trust myself that this was the right decision. I really need to trust my own judgment in terms of where I'm going to spend my money because my money is going to be a lot more limited. I need to trust myself in how I'm going to spend my time because now that's all I have and I need to make the most of it and be confident that I'm using my time wisely and be confident that I will make mistakes, but that I can rise up and learn from those mistakes. So that's definitely it. Like achieving this self-trust that's almost unbreakable. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm invincible or not prone to feeling self-doubt or anxiety or any of those things. Those things happen today even. I had kind of like a very unproductive day where I just had a headache for most of it and I didn't get a lot done. But I trust myself enough to know like, okay, this was a sick day. You're going to rise up again later and you're going to kill it. You're going to have another productive day because you've had really productive days in the past and that's not going anywhere. So just continuing to trust yourself is key. Yeah. And I think it's trusting yourself is also an act of self-love and just know mm-hmm. I'm going to make it through and anything I do is just going to lead me to where I'm supposed to be. Oh, yes. It's definitely a radical form of self-love. Something that I think is super important is to learn who you are in terms of like, what are your boundaries? What are your limits? What are the things that provoke anxiety? The things that provoke fear? How do you handle those things and be able to move through it in a loving and forgiving way? Trusting yourself is kind of a radical way of showing yourself that you're cool with yourself. You love yourself and you know that it's going to be fine. Uh, I love that. So taking this whole idea of trusting yourself, you know, you really turn your ideas into a reality by taking this leap, leaving your career and tutoring people in math and stepped into 
just like full on singer songwriter entrepreneur tell us about the sunflower summit mm -hmm. and then how that kind of fits into the anthem project cool sunflower summit existed a while before the anthem project i started the moniker i think sophomore year of college when i did a little duo with my friend and we were called sunflower forest and it was really fun. We would just go out to random street corners and play songs and go to open mics and play songs. And it'd be a combination of covers and then like the one original song that we had. <laughs> and I wanted to do more than that, but she didn't want to do more than that. She was very committed to becoming a music educator. And in fact, she is, and I'm really proud of her. She is a great band director now, and it's so awesome. And she trusted herself in the sense that she knew that this was just for fun, but that she wanted to do something else. And so I was like, oh, well, I guess we can't be Sunflower Forest anymore. And I came up with Sunflower Summit shortly after. And I was like, okay, I'll be Sunflower Summit. I started to get the the internet stuff down because I, I, I know that names go up like fire. If you don't claim your name, you're, you're probably going to lose it. So I claimed a Facebook page pretty early, claimed an Instagram pretty early, but I didn't make a website or make an album under that name until 2019. So think about that. That's um, sophomore year of college, probably 2016. So it took a while for me to take it seriously. Like I knew that I wanted to do more, but I wasn't ready to do more. I wasn't ready to accept that I really, really, really wanted to be a singer songwriter. It took me a really long time to really commit to wanting to do anything with the name uh, because at that point that's really all it was i mean i was writing music but i wasn't exactly sharing it or playing a ton of gigs and i didn't prove to myself that how much i wanted it so it was just kind of like floating in the back and then when everything with peace corps happened i was like okay it's now or never <laughs> What do I, what else do I have? If I don't have the Peace Corps, if I'm not as passionate about education as I thought I was, what else do I have? Oh, well, I have songwriting. I have Sunflower Summit. Why not just use it? So I started to do all of my shows, all of my music under Sunflower Summit, started to grow a little bit of a fan base around that. That's really become my artist persona, and I really like it. Over the past few months, I have started to see that I can be more than Sunflower Summit, though, and that there's really no limit. I think that with Sunflower Summit, organic, folky, poppy music will always be the core genre that you'll see with Sunflower Summit. But as I've started to write music for film, I've started to explore other genres. I have started to write music in Spanish. I've started to write some hip hop. I've started to write some rock music, and it's just all over the place. And especially with the anthems, I find that everybody has different music tastes and I don't want to write them the song that I think I want them to have. I want to write them the song that they think that they should have. So it's been a process of like learning different genres, learning to write in those genres and executing them well. So at first I really thought that Sunflower Summit and the Anthem Project would be really closely connected. But the more that I'm in it, I'm finding that they kind of have their own persona in, in, in a way like they do have similar missions like they do want to 
develop community, develop love, develop connection, and encourage people to go towards their dreams, but they're doing it in different ways. Sunflower Summit is doing it by releasing albums and EPs and singles that are around these topics in a very indie folky kind of a way. The Anthem Project is doing it by creating music about other people, about their stories. So uh, that's really kind of developed its own spirit and I'm really happy with it and I'm juggling both as separate businesses. It's been really fun. So when people look up the Anthem Project and they're like, oh, I like this song, they can type the Anthem Project in Spotify rather than trying to remember what my artist's name is or trying to type in Maria Raquana because eventually I will start to release music under my own name. I have some plans for 2021, but I just felt like that's the best way that to proceed to be able to get this music out there in a way that is wholesome and not taking away from another thing or you get what I mean? Like, I feel like it just, they developed into identities. Yeah. And giving each thing its space to live on its own and grow on its own. And then also Mm -hmm. too, with you kind of juggling them, you can pull inspiration from whatever you're doing in one thing for the other thing. And I feel like that's a way for you to constantly be excited. Absolutely. And I think that eventually the Anthem Project is going to be way bigger than me in the future. I don't know how far in the future, but in the future, I would like to hire other songwriters and have more of a songwriting team working with me so that, say, for instance, I'm talking with someone and I'm like, actually, you should be interviewed by somebody else because I know that this other songwriter is going to connect with you much faster than I am. I, I recognize that everybody has lived different experiences and there's a great variety and diversity in those experiences. And I want to be able to meet people in the best way possible. So what if I'm not the best person to interview you? I'm not going to let my ego be the reason you get kind of like an okay song, but not the best song. So that's another reason why I feel like it makes sense to have a separate moniker for the releases of these songs, because eventually I might have a team and There might be more people creating anthems for people and it can truly evolve. Yeah, I mean, the more songwriters you have, the more people you could reach and the more, you know, joy you can gift to people. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned, like, as you've kind of dove more into singing, songwriting, the Anthem Project, Sunflower Summit, all of it, you've kind of been learning as you go with, the mixing and the mastering and the production piece. So what would you say are like some tools or resources that have helped you kind of develop these new skills? Community, 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 community. I repeat myself a lot. Maybe that's just like a lyrical thing. (laughs) I was, I signed up for a program to teach me production that entered me into a Facebook group, a private community where there was a bunch of other people just like me learning production for the first time. And that allowed me to not feel lost in like a sea of professionals because I was with other people going through the same material, learning the same thing, maybe not the same rate, but we were all still learning together. And so that's allowed me to be able to ask the questions that I have and not feel dumb about asking them and have the support from 
other members. So sometimes one of the mentors from the program will answer my questions. And sometimes it's another member that's maybe just a few steps ahead of me that'll be like, oh, this is what you do, or this is why that's happening. And I started to join other groups of female producers and just producers in general, and just started to feel out what their community is like and what questions to ask where, because everybody responds to questions differently and to pay attention to the responses, to test things out and to develop really awesome friendships. And the friendships that I've made within the production world mean everything because we're learning everything together and there's so much kindness. And I think that being a woman in production, it's important to find those communities of other women producers. I saw this statistic the other day about women in the music industry and it was like 21% of women are artists in like the music industry, only 21% worldwide. Wow. And then it, the number just kept getting smaller as I went through different industries. And then producers, female producers, 2.8 or something percent. And I was like, in the whole world, there's only 2% of producers who are female. Wow. What is this? And I, I see it and I understand it because even within the class, while there's a lot of women in it because it's a woman-run business, there's still a lot more guys. I've seen it just through like these past few months where I'll be working on a song with somebody else and they'll be like, oh, do you have any producers on mind? And all of the producers' names that we come up with are male. Wow. And there's really only one professional producer that I know who's a woman. And that's the person that I'm like took the course from. It just blew me away to think about that. And so that really just motivates me more to increase my production skills and to encourage other women to become producers and to take back the control in their creative vision so that the music that they make, that female artists make, can be produced and mixed and mastered by other female artists who really get it. So yeah, that community is really the, the biggest resource. Yeah, and it's cool that you joined this community during the pandemic, mm -hmm. really, like for a large portion of the pandemic, you've been in this community. So it's, it's so cool that even though like in a lot of ways, the world has stopped, you're still moving forward and reaching out to people and making all of all of these great connections and taking on the fact that there's only like 2% of women in production. I think online communities are such a blessing and Zoom. I mean, we've learned the power of Zoom in the past several months, but like mm -hmm. you can quickly hop on a Zoom call like we can and just like connect with each other and chat about different things and toss ideas back and forth. I think it's so cool. Oh, yeah. I actually feel like during the pandemic is when I've been the most active ever in my life mentally and emotionally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think during this time, it's like, because we physically can't go a lot of places, I've kind of found that too, my mind is more active. And I've been trying to learn new things, explore, and even though we're quarantined. <laughs> yes, definitely. Our minds aren't quarantined. Yes, yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the Anthem Project, when we worked together with the Anthem Project, it was in like the beginning stages. How would you say it's evolved? And how was it before? And then how is it now? Well, before I was very much flying by the seat of my pants and coming up with ideas and executing them as soon as I had them. And a lot of that stuff worked. And I mean, that's what season one is made out of. But I promise you season two is going to sound very different. 
because as I have started to do commissions for season two, different people have had different ideas about like how to structure a podcast or thing, even like what parts to record. For instance, the process is the same, but the content, that's different. So the, the process for those of you who don't know yet, I interview you over Zoom for like about an hour. I ask you about all of your deepest, darkest secrets and fears. Seriously. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I take a bunch of notes and I just listen. Then I curate a playlist for you because I really want to get inside of your head and predict the music that you would listen to. Depending on the success of that playlist, that kind of gives me direction in terms of what the song should sound like and the lyrics that you're looking for secretly without even knowing it. So then I start to write. I have a home studio set up. And so I can record the song here and I can produce Mix and Master myself. Then we meet again. I do a final interview. I let you listen to the song, you respond, and that's the episode. That has stayed the same. However, before, the only part that I recorded for the, the podcast would be that last meeting. Now I'm recording all of it every time that we meet because people are like, I feel like I opened up more that first time that we met and I want you to share that story. Not the second story, the first story. And so now I'm starting to record that first meeting and starting to piece that into the podcast. So the podcast episodes for season two are probably going to be longer, but they'll be that much richer in content. Additionally, I have started to come up with different ways that the Anthem Project can grow and reach different people. So receiving an anthem that's like a very involved process and it can be quite emotional too and you can do it for yourself or you can do it for somebody else i recently did an anthem for somebody's parents and that was super sweet oh my gosh uh definitely recorded every bit of that and i'm excited to put that episode together that was really special but learning uh, how to give an anthem kind of second hand like that where like it was from a third person's perspective of somebody else. That was really interesting and I feel like I did a good job, but I started to think maybe that's not the best present gift for the holiday season because it is very lengthy, it's very involved, and it's very planned. Like we had to plan every single step of the way so that it could be a complete surprise for the parents. So I decided to roll out custom mixtapes for the holiday season, which I'm super excited about. and. These are going to be more touch and go, but still very personable. You, the gift giver, will meet with me just once over Zoom, and we will write the song together. So come prepared with whatever thoughts you have. Know who you want to give the song to. And by the end of that call, we'll have a written song. And just like the Anthem Project, I will do all the recording, mixing, all that stuff. And I'll burn it onto a physical CD and then ship it to you and then you can give it to your loved one yourself this isn't a podcast episode this isn't me trying to release more music to spotify this is purely your words on a cd with song and i'm very very excited very stoked for that and i'm going to be holding some workshops to help people learn how to write lyrics and put their thoughts in like a concise precise way that communicates through song, just to like prompt that a little bit and to help people 
do that because the holidays during the pandemic are going to be different. We're probably not going to be able to see everybody that we wish we could see. So why not mix it up rather than another Zoom call? Why not mail them something that they can just pop in and listen to? So that's definitely an addition. And I think that I'm probably going to leave it open even after the holiday season, just because why not? (laughs) So yeah, it's definitely continued to grow. And this is how like the the mission and identity has kind of developed into its own thing. It's about telling stories and about communicating to people how special they are and expressing love. Wow, I'm so excited for you. So one thing I want to touch on, we've had conversations about this, how our living environments, like from college to now, have really shaped how we move about our day, how it fuels us. So with you working out of your apartment and having a home studio, can you tell us more about how you've created this environment that really helps you? Yeah. Well, my space has changed at least three times since the pandemic started. And every time that I shift the way that I think about work is when things shift physically. I started out with work from home stuff and I was still working as a math tutor. And I kid you not, I would work on the living room couch. I would just have my laptop on my lap and I would just sit at the couch all day. And I didn't put in a lot of effort into creating like a very professional workspace. And I think it was because my head space wasn't there. I wasn't serious about being the best tutor that I could be. I mean, I still got my work done and I still communicated with my students and I did a pretty standard passing job, but I know that I probably could have done more if I had actually put more effort into the space where I was, but I would literally stay in my PJs all day and slump on the couch. And you know, that kind of physical space really does impact the way that you do work. When I started the mentorship and started to take these classes, started to meet more musicians, I was still on the couch, but now I would put my laptop on a stool. So then that would force me to sit up. I started to take actual notes. And that eventually led to me actually wanting to participate in these classes, not just leave my camera off and take notes, but like sit at my desk, turn my camera on so people could see that I was also there and be present. And at this time, I had a wooden big wooden desk that just faced the window and that was it I didn't have any production equipment then I was like oh production I should learn what that is so I started with just simple things I took my Yeti microphone out of its box it had been inside of a box for like years and I was like well this is a step up I can start to record vocal demos with this and that was a desk mic and I propped it and then my dad was like oh I have a MIDI controller and I was like okay cool I'll take it and then I was like okay I have a DAW I have Logic Pro X I have not a great microphone but I have a microphone I have a MIDI controller but my space was very imbalanced because there wasn't an actual good workflow space balance to have all of those things out at once Then that led to me just getting a whole new desk, which is what I'm using now. And this desk is equipped with three different levels so I can prop things at at different levels as I need them to be. And it, it did wonders for my workflow. This is all inside my bedroom. So like I have a loft bed. So I would literally just climb down my ladder and be in my home studio and just get to it. And while that's great, that also kind of impacts my mental health in the sense that I'm always turned on. Like literally, 
I woke up this morning and was like, okay, today you're going to rhythm correct that guitar track. That was my first thought this morning. It wasn't like, oh, I wonder what the weather is or like, I need to catch up with my friend or I wonder how my mom is. It was like, literally like, open your jaw. This is what you need to do today. And I've started to notice that my thoughts are very work related more so than not. That leads to unnecessary stress. Like, why am I thinking about production at 6.30 in the morning? (laughs) So I love being able to have my home studio right in my bedroom, but it's definitely starting to challenge me in the sense that maybe I should move things around again and have my working space be somewhere different so that when I'm in my room, I can just relax and not think about work. That'll be next step. I've been finding that too, because I work from home at a desk right next to my bed and it's hard to flip that switch off between work versus sleep. Yes. And it's such a weird trippy thing because it's like, okay, I'm trying to go to sleep. Why am I thinking about work? And then when I wake up and turn over, the first thing I see is my desk. Like you said, you just start remembering all the stuff that you have to do for work. So I totally get it. Mm -hmm. And some days it's easier to turn the switch off than others. And so I get where you're coming from on separating the spaces and then you'll maybe feel a little bit more in flow of your life. Yeah. And most producers do work at home, but they have a second bedroom. That's their music room. And so oftentimes when I'm on calls with people and they see like my setup and stuff, they're like, oh, are you in your music room? I'm like, actually, it's my bedroom. My bed's like, right there and I'll like point to my bed (laughs) and they're like oh well it looks like music really took over your bedroom and they're like it's true it looks like a music room because my bed is lofted it's just (laughs) I love it but I'm also like oh maybe I wish I had a second bedroom that I could have this and then figure out who I am outside of producer mode because I don't know who that is (laughs) but that's okay I'm like eventually I'll be able to afford a second bedroom producer room and that'll be great but I'm not complaining I I, I've built a life that I really like so it's mostly ups mostly highs you're just continuing that path up and I think it's so cool I mean you've started to build out a team too yeah which is amazing (laughs) yeah it's not just me at the Anthem Project so tell everyone where they can connect with you where they can find you on all the platforms Well, I'm present on a lot of things. Depending on what you're looking for, it's probably a little different. For my artist stuff, you can look up Sunflower Summit literally anywhere. Um, You can find me on Spotify, Instagram, Facebook under Sunflower Summit. You can also find me on all those platforms under The Anthem Project. So that's pretty easy. If you want to get in touch with me and send me an email, I would say my website's the best place to go. I have sunflowersummitmusic.com if it's more music related and I have theanthemproject.org if it's more anthem project related. So I'm really happy to talk with anybody about anything that they have like ideas wise. If they want to commission something, definitely go to the anthem project. If you want to collaborate, talk about producer stuff, definitely go to the Sunflower Summit. So whatever you're looking for, I'm happy to communicate with you and get in touch. And just a quick plug that you can listen to the full lyrical version of the song Maria wrote for me by searching the song name Play by the Anthem Project songwriters on any streaming platform. You can hear more about my personal stories that went into the song on the Anthem Project podcast as well. That episode, I believe, is called Let's Play Alley. 
I think it was season one, episode two. So feel free to check it out. And the last plug is to email us at thecompanywekeeppodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, stories you want to share, let us know. And Maria, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I've loved hearing your story and I think we can all find a little piece of ourselves and how you've risen from the setbacks and continue to pivot in your life, both personally and professionally, in order to design a life that really feels good to you. So thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. You're so awesome, so sweet. 